0: i got a couple of housekeeping matters I need to take care of before I get started this morning and one is uh, to let you know that uh, shortly before midnight last night, John Martinelli went to be with our Lord Jesus, uh, the family was all gathered, please continue to keep Anne and, and all the Martinelli family in your prayers uh, at this time. Um, Also, today is the 17th anniversary for Steve Jones being the preaching minister here at Vero Christian Church. Now, he's on vacation today, um, but next time you see him, let him know how much you appreciate uh, him putting up with all of us for 17 years, or maybe it's us putting up with him, I, I don't know, whatever that might be. So, uh, But let him know, man, we're we are so excited that uh, he's been with us as our preaching minister for 17 years. But he's on vacation today, as I say, and as usually happens when he goes on vacation and I'm up to preach, then uh, I woke up yesterday with a sore throat, scratchy and nasty, and so I went to a walk-in clinic, they said, you're not contagious, you just got a sore throat, and so try to deal with it. So some of you are like, well, you always sound like this when you preach, but... You know that's that's probably true, but uh, you are stuck with me today. Sorry about that. <clears throat> so, so when when we were first getting started with our family, we lived on Cheer Street in Ashland, Kentucky, and yes, it was a cheerful place to raise a family. And em- Emily and Ian were both born right after. We uh, had moved on to Cheer Street. Like we moved there, and, and then within two years, you know, we had two kids because they were 13 months apart. And so apparently, it was a really cheerful place uh, to start a family as well. But in the spring of the year, when Elliot was five or six years old, he marched himself down the street to our neighbors, the Greens, um, because he had a very important announcement that he needed to share with them. He asked them, hey, have you heard the good news? Now, John and Barb were going, oh, he's going to spill the beans on blount baby number four. No, 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 no. That's not what the good news was. We would taken care of matters, so there wasn't going to be a blount baby number four. but, But it was, like I say, it was the spring of the year. And so, Elias said, no, 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 that's not it. Jesus has risen from the grave. Now, like I said, it was the spring of the year, we were going into Easter, and this was on Elliot's mind. But even at the age of five or six, Elliot was our little evangelist. Is it any wonder that he is now the preaching minister at Swiscoe Christian Church up near Jacksonville? But he was not afraid to proclaim the gospel to anyone who would listen, and some who didn't want to, probably. Many of us fear the thought of sharing the gospel with others. We don't feel equipped. We don't know even where to start in the process. We're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing or, worse yet, get asked a question we don't know the answer to. But we know we're supposed to tell others about Jesus. We just can't seem to get the words out. We may wish that we were as bold as Elliot at age five or six back in the neighborhood, but we aren't. Many of us don't know where to start. We just, we just don't. We understand that it's our mission as followers of Christ to make disciples. But how do we go about that? I mean, what, what are we supposed to do? And then some meddling preacher comes along and says, the one thing that will matter 100 years from now is your relationship with Jesus. And the same holds true for everyone you meet daily. The one thing that will matter 100 years from now is your relationship with Jesus, and the same holds true for everyone you meet daily. (laughs) Then that meddling preacher goes on to say, did you know that 84% of the decisions for Christ come before a child reaches the age of 19? I mean, check out this chart from ministrytochildren.com, and you can see that 36.8% of those decisions for Christ come between the ages of 12 and 19. So those teenagers are very, very important. Now the sweat's beginning to pour from some of us. And then that meddling preacher goes on to say, and you know who the number one influence on our children for a decision for Christ is? Parents. Zap! Right between the eyes, right? Christ commands us, to make disciples. So what are we to do? We don't feel adequately equipped. We're too afraid to get started, or worse yet, we're just kind of satisfied with the status quo, and we're just going to kind of leave it alone. So we're not sharing the gospel with others, much less leading our children to Christ. But God has placed us as parents in the position to be the number one influence, in the lives of our kids. And if we get in the habit of making disciples of Jesus in our home, we can apply many of these same strategies to others as well. Now I realize there are some of us in this room who are like, well, my kids have already left the house. Is it it too late for me? No, it's not too late. Because I believe these principles apply to every relationship that we have. So, We've got to figure out a way to solve this dilemma that we're in about I don't know, even know where to start. So let's go to God's Word for answers in that regard. Turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. We'll be reading the Shema this morning. I'll have the words up here on the screen for you as well. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, and when you're on the road, and when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on the forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates. Now, the Shema, that's what we just read, that's what it's called, that's the centerpiece of the daily morning and evening prayers, and it is considered by many people to be the most essential prayer in all of Judaism. This prayer was repeated twice daily as a constant reminder to parents that they were to make disciples disciples of their children. And putting these principles into practice can help us not only make disciples of our children, but help us in every relationship that we have. Because in this prayer, we are instructed to make talking about God a natural part of any conversation. We're also instructed to set aside purposefully sometimes to specifically talk about God. And we today should be talking about God and Jesus and his plan of salvation. We're reminded right in the middle of that prayer, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. See, God wants us to commit ourselves wholeheartedly to this command to make disciples. And make no mistake about it. Jesus commands us to make disciples of all nations. Remember Matthew 28, 19? Go and make disciples. Well, we need to start in our own households and then move out from there. We need to spend time in God's Word in family devotions. We need to get caught by our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, nephews, whoever is in that sphere of influence. We need to get caught spending time in private devotion time and prayer. We need to model that behavior. How can we expect others to emulate that behavior if we're not modeling that for them? And how can we claim to follow God if we're not spending time in His Word and we're not obeying His commands? When you come together uh, in the afternoon in the evening, for the evening meal. I believe that evening meal together should be a requirement in families. Peggy and I are not perfect parents by any stretch of the imagination. You can check with any of our kids. They'll be happy to confirm that for you. But there's one thing that we did that I think was was probably about as good as anything that we could have done. We insisted on family dinner time together. Every day. No exceptions. You were not allowed to miss family dinner. Now, sometimes dinner might have been at 4 30 in the afternoon. Sometimes it might have been at 7 30 at night. Just depended on the crazy schedule that we were in the middle of with three kids and trying to juggle everything. But every day, everyone in the family knew tonight's dinner is going to be at this time. And you were expected to be there. No excuses. As our kids grew older, we found that not only did we have our kids there, but it was not unusual for the door to open about dinner time and some of their friends come in. All right, honey, put a little more water on the soup because we got a few extra mouths we're going to feed tonight. And that was fine. Why did their friends come and join us for dinner? Because they weren't getting that at their house. Because the evening meal is a great time to reflect back on the day, to celebrate the things that God has done for us through the day, or to lament that which has set us back and to encourage one another to take that next step in their faith journey. So, family, dinner, time, together, I believe is, is crucial. Again, some of us are like, yeah, but my kids are already out of the house. Okay, okay. Have family time with who's in your house. And I bet you'll find out that every now and then, somebody's going to show up just to hang out, see what's going on. So do that. I think bedtime is another great disciple-making time. That's a time when you can look back over the day again. You can sing praises to God. You're going to remind your children that God is watching over them as they sleep. The psalmist reminds us, in peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord. Make me dwell in safety. Now, if you haven't established habits like this already, it's not too late. Go ahead and start it now. It's okay. I... In preparation for this message, I created a daily schedule. Because uh, I'm a visual learner, I need to take a look at things. So I, I took a schedule and, and fixed it out for the week. you know, And uh, with time blocks, all that kind of stuff. I've made this resource available on the resource page on our website. So you can check that out at verochristian.com forward slash resources. I would love for you to click on that link and to download it, follow the instructions and then you got something to go by. And I, I want to show you an example uh, of what that would look like. Okay, it's a color-coded schedule. And you'll see I got sleep color-coded in gray. I think that's a very important one. The older I get, the more I want of that. Um, but there are, color, there are colors for each of the different activities here. Church and youth group, school, extracurricular activities, home, meals, talking about the day, et cetera. There's a different color for family devotions, screen time, hanging with friends, work, all of those things. And this is just this typical week. This is what a typical week looks like for me. Not for me, but for us. So, you can take a look at that. Now, like I say, I'm a visual learner and I can look at that and go, "Man, I I don't have any family devotion times in there. I got to figure out a time when I can move something around." Or Man, my kids are spending an awful lot of screen time. Maybe we need to to work some devotion times in some of that. You know, whatever it might be. I pray that this will be a useful tool to help you in your next step in making disciples in your household. And then I want to share a few steps uh, that I gathered from a resource on the Internet. Because, you know, it's on the Internet. It must be true. (laughs) This one... (laughs) This one is, however, it's called uh, the website's called a mother far from home. Here's a couple of things they have to say. <coughs> Pardon me. Be transparent about your faith. Just going to church and praying before bedtime will more than likely not be enough of an example for our children. Do we pray in front of them? Do we share our own struggles or trials or tests of faith? And then be willing to answer or investigate their hard questions. We can't be scared to talk about these things if we don't have the answers. In fact, these are valuable opportunities for the family to draw near to God. Now, I, I want to throw in my personal aside to this. Uh, I tell people all the time when they say, oh, man, I'm afraid somebody's going to ask a question I don't have the answer to. I will say, that's fine. I'll, you want me to tell you the answer? Sure. The answer is, I don't know. Now that's not the whole answer. The rest of the answer is, but let's find out together. And then you investigate, like they have suggested here on the website. Investigate. Go to somebody who's further along in their faith journey than you are, whom you respect. Ask them the question. Look it up in, in books of respected authors. Maybe you even are going to check out some Bible commentaries, whatever it might be. If you can investigate together, that's all the better. But even if you can't, you investigate and then you come back to them and show them, hey, here's what I found in answer to your question. Because I think in doing so, you give God the chance to shine. And that leads us to the next point from a mother far from home. Give, it, give God a fighting chance to shine. Spending time in prayer together as a family And encouraging children to pray for their needs and for the needs of others is a good place to see God work. Now, God doesn't give us what we want all the time. But if our children are actively and consistently praying, I believe they will learn to recognize God at work in their own lives. We must encourage our children to pray themselves. And again, Steve just finished up a sermon series on the power and the importance of prayer if you missed any or all of those, go to our website at verochristian.com sermons, and you can go into the archives, and you can watch them or listen to them uh, from there. Then, finally, from a mother far from home, it says, encourage journeys of faith. Believe and trust God where his word says we should by living a life of wisdom and faith and by encouraging our children to do the same. Now, again, I don't want anybody to feel discouraged or overwhelmed, but I do want to encourage you to take baby steps in this process. But at the same time, let me urge you to be intentional because your children's and your friends and your neighbors' eternal destiny is at stake. Knowing and obeying Jesus is the one thing That matters for all of eternity. So, a good place to start for all of us is by following the Shema. Maybe we should read that at least once a day, every day. So, let's take a look at it again Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're on the road or when you're at home, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Brothers and sisters, we need to write it down and put it into practice. We need to take advantage of opportunities that are provided for us to get in the habit of having these natural conversations about God. Vero Christian Church offers a life group specifically for parents of young kids. They're meeting right now, right over here. Their children can be in VCC Kids, and they are meeting to encourage one another. We also, last week, started a life group for parents of teenagers. Coincidentally, that happens to meet Sundays at 6 p.m., while the students are meeting over here in VCC Students. Then we got the parents meeting over on this side of the building In room E6, which is where the other parent room is, because it's the parent and small group uh, room, and we meet to encourage each other. Both of these groups are specifically aimed at parents with kids in these age ranges to kind of help you navigate what's going on. Now, we also have life groups for adults of all ages and all stages of life, and all of these groups are designed to help you to draw closer to one another and to draw closer to God. They're designed to help you become more at ease and better equipped to have those natural conversations about God and about Jesus and about salvation. You can check out our group offerings at verochristian.com forward slash groups. They are all open. They're all open. You're welcome to join us. We encourage you to do that. Now, as our evangelist son, Elliot says if you're not making disciples are you really following Jesus after all followers of Jesus are committed to his mission and his mission is quite simple to make disciples that begins with a simple everyday conversations within the context of your relationships So look for opportunities for those conversations, not because people are a project that you're supposed to take care of, but because Jesus loves them, and He doesn't want anyone to perish. Now, to be sure, you need to know how to be saved in order to have some of these conversations properly. And the Bible teaches that in order to be saved, you need to hear God's Word and believe it. And upon believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the response is repentance. And repentance is turning away from sin and turning towards God. Then you confess that Jesus is your Lord. That means He's the boss of you. You're obedient in Christian baptism, where you are buried with Him in baptism and raised into a newness of life, having had your sins forgiven and received the gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And then your mission for the rest of your life is to draw others closer to Jesus. And if you have any questions about that, please see me after this service. I would love to talk with you. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus right now, I really want to talk with you. Because today is the day we need to take care of business. You're watching online or checking out the podcast later on in the week, please email me at hello at VeroChristian.com because I'd love to continue the conversation with you as well. For all of us, it's decision time. Here's the decision I'm praying for. We will intentionally pass this along to our children and to everyone within our sphere of influence. We will make talking about God. Jesus and salvation as natural as talking about the weather or yesterday's ball scores or today's ball schedule. More than a decade ago, magician Penn Gillette was talking about folks who had been trying to proselytize. That's a big word for you know, sharing the gospel, basically. And there had been some people that, that had wanted to share the gospel with him and he knew about them but they kind of backed off because they were intimidated, they were too shy, whatever. And <coughs> Penn Jillette, an atheist, said, how much do you have to hate someone if you believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? How much do you have to hate someone if you believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Oh, Man, those words sting. Sadly, Gillette is still an atheist to this day. I would ask that you would join me in praying that he has a change of heart, that God will send the right person to say the right thing for him. to help him to make that decision. If you believe that being a disciple of Jesus is the only way to eternal life with God the Father, How much do you have to hate someone to not tell them that? If you're not making disciples, are you really following Jesus? If you believe that everlasting life is possible, then today is the day to get started on obedience to the command to make disciples within your household and within your general sphere of influence, both. Because, brothers and sisters, the one thing that will matter 100 years from now is your relationship with Jesus. And the same holds true for everyone you meet daily. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, thank you so much. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity that we have on a regular basis to love people the way you love to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, may we start within our own homes. May we spread that to our general sphere of influence. Give us the words to say. Help us, Father, not to give in to fear or intimidation, but to be willing to be like Elliot at age five or six. And boldly proclaim to anyone who will hear, have you heard the good news? Jesus has risen from the grave. We ask this all in Jesus' name.